0: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Okay, well today we've decided that it is time for a new edition of Updates and just yes. talking about what is happening in the world, what is going down, and all the good, the bad, and unfortunately, a lot of ugly. Yeah. Um, so, with that, uh, we do want to give you some trigger warnings as we will be talking about sexual assault, um, adult themed topics, politics, which I think could be triggering for a lot of people right now, mm-hmm. um, death and assault, and just issues of Black Lives Matter. And for those who have been inundated and have been really. Um, overwhelmed. We will be talking about it as well. So there you are, forewarned. And we're going to be talking about some good news too, but that's definitely there.
0: Yes. Um, and also, just to put a, a, the old stamp on this one in case you listen to it a bit later, it is May 28th, 2020, as we record this. I did not have to look that up. And I yeah, feel unreasonably proud about it. You should be proud. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Actually, 28 is one of my favorite numbers. So that's uh-huh. proud. Oh, and have a like a weird number. number thing. So It's a good even number. Yeah, you know, I, one day maybe I'll go into my whole pyramid of favorite numbers, but not today. Not Doesn't today. everybody have those though? I don't know, do they?
1: I don't have a pyramid. I definitely have like my favorite number, my favorite birthday, and then...
0: Oh, now Everything I'm curious. We're gonna have to talk about this offline because I hope that <laughs> one of my numbers is one of your numbers. It's gonna make me feel like <laughs> we were definitely meant to be. <laughs> okay. I did. My mom gave me this book when I was in um, middle school. Like the truth, the true magic of Harry Potter, and, and it was like you know how to read palms, which I can do. I'm sure not very well, but I can base do the basics. And then one of them was arithmancy. And I learned that was my favorite part was doing all that numbers and like laying that out and oh. reading your arithmetic, arithmetic numbers. Ooh. Yeah, maybe one day.
1: Yeah, I can do that.
0: Yes. Um, all this comes from just the date. <laughs> anyway, we want to start with something we've mentioned a couple times recently, and that is the situation with the women's national team, soccer and equal pay. So the women's national team, (WNT). Recently, the U.S. Soccer Federation claimed that WNT and MNT, the male men's national team, players do not perform equal work requiring equal skill, effort, and responsibility under similar working conditions. And in March, the USSF claimed the overall soccer playing ability required to complete at the senior men's national team level is materially influenced by the level of certain physical attributes such as speed and strength. So this is all happening around, as you all probably know, we mentioned it in one of our previous updates, the women's national team winning the World Cup and chanting equal pay. And there was this huge push to get that. And then you have pushback back from the organizations running uh, the women's national team. And on May 1st, a federal judge sided with the federation, um, the U.S. Soccer Federation, ruling that women's soccer team, the women's soccer team had agreed to their terms of payment when signing their contracts. And he also found that the women's team generated more money from 2015 to 2019. And I know what you're thinking. Well, doesn't that seem like they should get paid more? Apparently, it's an argument that they should get paid less, which is very, very interesting. From the court summary document, the WNT has been paid more on both a cumulative and an average per-game basis than the MNT over the class period. However... The public is largely on the women's national team's side. Team members wore their jerseys inside-out in protest, and big sponsors like Coca-Cola came out in support of the team. The president of the U.S. Soccer Federation, Carlos Cordero, resigned and was replaced. The previous president, Sunil Gulati, said in a statement about the lawsuit, I believed the WNT was much more likely to qualify for and succeed in their tournament than the MNT was. And yes, he was... Right. And yes, again, they're using that as an argument to pay them less. (laughs) Essentially, they perform better, so they would have earned more. Um, He also pointed to the practices of FIFA, kind of saying they're following in FIFA's footsteps. The team is looking to appeal, so we'll definitely keep an eye on this situation.
1: Right, um, and one analysis found that if the WNT used male player pay scales from 2014 to 2019, they would have made 91.8 million, as compared to what they did make, which was 27.7 million, significantly smaller. Yeah, and pay is just one part of the problem. Playing conditions, marketing, broadcasting, all of those things are also part of the issue. And former FIFA president called the players pretty. Aw. Mm-hmm. And suggested they wear tighter, more feminine clothes. Because, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. And other women's teams are following in the WNT's steps as well. Just one woman, Serena Williams, surprise, ranked in the top 100 top paid athletes in 2019.
0: Only one. Right. So we do have a long way to go with that. And that is something I definitely would love to come back and do a whole episode on. Because it's... I read many lengthy articles about so many of these women's teams pushing for change all over the world. So that's now, great. I would have thought that would have been something
1: that was already talked about when we were talking about Title IX and the opportunities when um, with female athletes in colleges and um, schools. So you would have think those changes may have would have kind of leaked towards the professional yeah. level, but yeah. it doesn't seem like it. It does. Um, giving very little opportunity,
0: giving very little consideration to pay. It's just an overall, what? Yeah, a lot of it is exactly that. (laughs) Um, So, future episode. But speaking of soccer, for now, oh my gosh, as sports teams and, and restaurants start looking into ways of reopening, there have been more and more headlines about companies and organizations using dolls to fill the stands or seats at restaurants where they can't have customers. I love that For some people, this apparently is better than just being kind of far apart from other people. Like, to me, having a doll, a human-sized doll, is a little bit freakier. Right. Some of the pictures that I saw
1: in restaurants specifically, I was like, those dolls are really creepy. Yeah, they're going (laughs) to
0: kill you while you're eating. (laughs) It's a horror movie waiting to happen. (laughs) But one recent story that caught our eye had to do with the South Korean soccer team, FC Seoul, one of the first sports teams to make a return during the pandemic. They were fined $81,300 after they filled their stands with sex dolls to add to the atmosphere. A few of the dolls held signs for the company that makes the dolls of the 30 dolls 28 were women and many of them with exaggerated feminine traits big breast the K League prohibits sexual or inappropriate advertisements Hence the fine. And this has sparked many, many debates. Some thinking that the fine was just because the sex dolls were salacious and dirty. Those were words that I'm quoting, while others saying the incident was blown way out of proportion. The K League that the team is a part of issued this statement Regarding the cheer mannequins that were installed during the game on the 17th, we sincerely apologize for causing deep concern to the fans. They claim that they checked to make sure that they weren't used for. For adult purposes, and the company assured them that the mannequins are frequently used for clothes. I'm sure that's probably true and taking off of clothes, perhaps. Uh, the league said the team, quote, could have easily recognized their use using common sense and experience. (laughs) And experience. Right. I just
1: wanted to be like, oh, bless their heart. Like they're definitely (laughs) a southern moment of like. I don't know if this is true or not, but that. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I so Samantha and I were talking about this off mic. I get I didn't know they were advertising. I, right, I didn't see the either. problem there. But otherwise, like if it's just dolls, I right. don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, there are a couple of ones I was like,
1: yeah, that that looks suspect. Yeah. But outside for of sure. that, I mean typically if you're trying to watch the game, you're not looking in the stands, but oh okay. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Maybe then some people were. I mean, also it could have been like one or two people who were just really excited about doing this joke type of thing. I could definitely be like, yeah, mm-hmm. they knew what they were doing. The whole company may not have. but There was one person who <laughs> was like, Haha, yeah, watch this.
0: <laughs> Look what I can do.
1: <laughs> right. Well, we're going to switch a little bit uh, mm-hmm. to a more serious topic because so, I don't know how else to transition that. <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to women and politics. with some good news and with some concerning news. As per usual. Um, as of this month, 490 women have filed to run for the US House of Representatives, which outdoes last year's record of 476. So, woo! Yeah. Um, it is something to know that this year, 195 of these women are under the Republican Party. So, okay, they've stepped up as well, uh, which jumped from 133 in 2010. Wow. So, yeah, they're building up theirs as well. Mm-hmm. And just So you know, the numbers will likely rise as several states still have open deadlines to file. So we'll see where it goes, and maybe even more women will be jumping on this political train.
0: Yes. With that, there are at least 10 congressional districts that have an all-female ballot, including New Mexico, which could send an all-female delegation to the U.S. House of Representatives and could be made up of all women of color. To note, New Hampshire was the first state to have an all-female congressional delegation in 2013. Mm -hmm.
1: And while speaking this politics, many people are eagerly waiting to see Joe Biden's pick for the vice president nomination. Um, There seems to be a lot of rumors swirling about who he's thinking of picking, Mm -hmm. including Amy Klobuchar and Stacey Abrams. But one thing his campaign has stated was certain is that his pick will be female. And of course, right now, with everything that's happening in the Country, there are also a debate of should it be a woman of color? Who should, where should they come from? Should they be a moderate? So it's definitely really heavy and we're really watched debate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, as we look at the upcoming presidential election, we can't ignore the issues at hand, especially when it comes to Joe Biden and Tara Reid. So Tara Reid alleges that Joe Biden had sexually assaulted her in 1993 while working for him. And as expected, The amount of scrutiny on that is massive. Everything from education to likability as a tenant has been a part of this conversation. Trying to navigate what may be considered sort of a dumpster fire of an election (laughs) has become much more challenging and has left a lot of us feeling concerned and uncertain. And many have been faced with the fact that this is a lesser evil situation, which puts women in between the rock and a hard place. Of a situation, whether we are violating our own morals with the decision of the upcoming election, it is definitely a larger episode we need to visit. Um, and yeah, it's I've seen this argument play out among my friends, and right. it is it, it's just it is so difficult that you're you are basically being asked as women to either this one, <laughs> this person who's got like twenty women alleging sexual right. assault and then this one who's got one
1: actually 13 but not necessarily about sexual assault but, but sexual like una- inappropriate harass- behavior yeah, yeah unwelcomed yeah. inappropriate touching so yeah. but yeah absolutely I think that's a big conversation and I know I have been round and round and round in my own head in the conversations with people because um, for me this was not my choice right for <laughs> the sure. candidate um and as part for what has been, again, a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like that's the best phrase for this year, of political season. It is interesting to try to kind of debate with yourself and even talk yourself into situations where it just feels gross.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. No. <laughs> it is not fun, but yeah, we'll we'll come back to that in a future episode for sure. But for now, we have a lot of ground to cover still, but first, we're going to pause for a quick break forward from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you sponsor. And we're back with some, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> those kinds of incidents that Yeah. Just so,
1: wow. um, I did want to put in there, there was a f- several things, but I think this was a good one to mention, uh, just to kind of face the fact that even with the Me Too movement, as many things that have progressed, there's still things that are still yuck. That's mm-hmm. the best way to put it. And I will say it does have a happier ending than most, but it was something that I wanted to report on, which is about the judge in. New Jersey. A judge recently was removed from the bench due to his constant unprofessional, and in this instance that we're going to talk about, especially his last case, and abhorrent behaviors and comments. Judge John Russo Jr., who, by the way, was a Superior Court state judge, as well as apparently his father was a senator. Um, was finally removed after hearings conducted in 2019 and appeals because of an incident in 2016 in which a woman tried to obtain a restraining order due to a man threatening her, her child, and sexually assaulting her. While appearing in front of Judge Russo to obtain this order, the judge asked her, quote, do you know how to stop someone from having intercourse with you? And when she answered yes and she suggested something about running away, he then went on to say, uh Close your legs, question mark. Call the police. Did you do any of these things? After these proceedings, which I'm sure everybody was shocked, and this was reported, uh, he ended up denying her request for the restraining order and continued to mock her after the trial and her job as a part of knowing how to prevent sexual assault. Because and in one article, it says she was a sex worker. And because of that, should know how to prevent mm. sexual assault. And he didn't realize he was still might and that it was
0: being recorded at that point. That's so gross. Uh Um, Of course, during his hearings, he tried to justify it as a mistake, saying he was trying to get her to give more information. Though it has taken quite some time, and though he was already dismissed from another courtroom for harassing a Haitian employee before this incident, he has finally been removed and will not be allowed in the courtroom. So, a little bit of good news there. Well, it took
1: a few years. But hey, (laughs) it took a few years, but hey. All right. Uh And kind of continue on. Let's talk about problematic incidents that have occurred in almost this week alone. I know. Maybe last week. It's been a really rough few weeks. Uh I guess that's the constant phrase I feel like. Um, Earlier this week, Amy Cooper was recorded after being confronted for not leashing her dog as required by New York law. And she was recorded calling 911 on Christian Cooper, a black man, out doing some good old bird watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to get too much into the incident, because I feel like most people know, we do witness her contacting 911 after letting Mr. Cooper know that she would be claiming an African-American man was threatening her, which you find very I find very odd. Yeah. <laughs> just the, I'm going to let them know. Yeah,
0: like just the um, brazenness of it. Uh, the fact that she was, it was a threat. It absolutely yeah, was a threat. It absolutely was a threat. <laughs> right. um, some things to note, while she was on the phone with 911, she changed her tone and octave after it seemed like her normal voice wasn't getting her distress across enough. And as the incident showed, the power of white women and their privilege and weaponizing that privilege and using weaponizing emergency response and law enforcement.
1: And also, once again, shows the danger of the ingrained racism of white women fearing and needing protection against a black man. It almost seems it's kind of the situation of lynch mobs that gather to protect the frail white woman hasn't really changed too much. And when looking at the many and constant hashtags of all the murders within the black community... And though the situation did not end with the death of another innocent black man, it continues to show this deep disdain and rooted racism that comes out when a privileged group, and we'll talk about it in a bit, Karens um, are held accountable. And again, it's kind of one of those levels of, this is a bigger problem than you know. The Emmett Till case had very much to do with that same level of just wanting to be angry and taking out on a young black kid actually yeah. um, and it seems like this is kind of that same level even if you're thinking oh no that wasn't what she was doing there is still that level of this is a tradition and a horrible horrible idea that has been a part of racism rooted racism against black men in general and it's kind of that same level of here we go again they have weaponized white women's fears in order to harm another group of people
0: yeah Yep. Um, Also going to talk about Allison Roman, (laughs) who uh, she's made a name, especially during this quarantine time with her different recipes and food knowledge, like the shallot pasta. Um, But now, perhaps, she is even more known for an interview she did in which she decided to name a couple of Asian women, Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo, as to why she didn't want to do certain things or felt something wasn't, what she—it wasn't what she agreed with—but um, of course, that's a, more politically correct than the way she phrased it,
1: right? Um, and I'm like, God, there's so many questions as to why she chose two women of color to begrudge, as well as to why she would use a specific speech pattern to reflect her disapproval for an Asian woman's business tactic. And though she did try to explain it away that it was an inside joke about Polish people. And I don't know, is that really better? Uh, I
0: don't I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Um, and not her making fun of Asian people. But I have to question that. Why do it? Why do it on a publication? It just doesn't seem yeah. smart in any least way. I don't know. But after initially doubling down, she did send out an in depth apology, which Tegan accepted, and I hope we hope mm-hmm. uh, is a reflection of her growth and her to continuing to learn and and we do see her try to kind of slowly work her way back to the good graces of the many people who loved her recipes. I mean, I've never tried it, but apparently they're really nice. They're really
0: good. Yeah, yeah. I've never tried them either, but uh, uh, kind of related. Um, also under scrutiny is Lana Del Rey after she released a lengthy kind of random out of nowhere statement of how she was being persecuted and criticized for her music and her lyric topics which she decided in this she, she decided to name drop several female singers including Nicki Minaj Doja Cat Beyonce Ariana Grande and Cardi B and she compared their songs to hers in order to highlight how she is being persecuted while they are being celebrated she brings up past criticism of glamorizing abuse in her songs, her statement saying uh, basically she is just a glamorous person singing about things.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, and after the many who had issues with what seemed to be a bit specific in her critique against the industry and people's tastes by only bringing up mostly women of color, she once again came out stating she wasn't racist. um, And if someone noticed that the women she talked about, who she stated she loved, and and the reason she named them was because she loved them, uh, were women of color that probably said more about the reader, so the audience's interpretation, Mm. and their racism. Mm. Um, I have a lot of questions about this. I have a a lot of questions. (laughs) Um, And restating that it was about her being persecuted for being too feminine and glamorous to be accepted in this now feminist world. And of course, her statement of quote, "not not being feminist," just saying feminism doesn't accept females like
0: her, uh, okay,
1: which is an interesting take yeah. um i i I can understand she gets a lot of criticism. I get that. but once again, kind of like Allison Roman, not sure why you have to name names and not sure why they happen to be all women of color. Don't get me wrong. you pick some good good women um put on your list, I guess. I don't know. They definitely have some some bops, some hits. Some bops. Some bops. I got Ooh. this. I'm old. Give me this. Um, but it seemed, yeah, it seemed very specific for her to write those out.
0: It did. It did. Uh, that has been one interesting thing for me since I, because of quarantine, I've been on social media more than I ever was before. And I love, like, I, I love slash hate When I first check it uh, for the day and I see like Lana Del Rey is trending and my mind is like, what possibly has gone wrong here? (laughs) Right. And then I hear about it. I'm like, why? (laughs) Why?" There's a lot of those questions. Yeah. yeah. I feel like at least half of my like trending topics, that's my reaction to it. Like, (laughs) why? Yes, that's fair. Yes, and kind of related. Let's talk about Karen's now. Karen's. Yeah, um yeah, so there has been this very heated debate of usage uh, of the name Karen. The term Karen has been around since 2014, according to one article, but has really been a big point of conversation the last few months. I think I think last year, a couple of years ago it was in the running for word of the year, because we talked about it in our pronoun episode. It was up there. So, yeah, it's been around, but especially in a couple, the last few months, it's been a source of uh, lots of heated conversations. Um, Karen is, quote, a middle-aged white woman with an asymmetrical bob asking to speak to the manager who happens to be as entitled as she is ignorant. A new debate has been circulating that the use of the term Karen, uh, not only is it offensive, but it's actually a slur. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> just recently, a comment was made stating, quote, "The Karen slur is women hating and based on class prejudice. Some go as far as to claim that is just as offensive as any racial slur used towards people of color. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, Leading to, once again, women of color, typically black women, to remind the level of offensiveness and pettiness of that comment alone and equating a woman who complains or calls the police because they are afraid or annoyed at someone of color for being in what they see as their space, aka Barbecue Becky, are wielding their privilege in order to complain that a term used during slavery to hold power or to take power away from a whole race. Um, Yeah, that is not really a comparison.
1: Right. Um, Of course, there is the argument that it is misogynistic. um, And that might not be too far off with the fact that a large, broad term isn't as equally known or used for white men. Which, by the way, many are saying is Kevin Mm. or a Chad, depending on the age. And I know that also fluctuates for women, other names as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we don't have a generic one agreed upon name for men. So maybe... Yes, I, I mm-hmm. it could absolutely be a little more misogynistic, but is it a racial slur?
0: No 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 no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, I do feel sorry. I, I have a few Karens in my life who are very sweet. right. Um, but still not not a racial slur. You're gonna say that with complete confidence. Right. Um, <laughs> so we do have a little bit more for you, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And we're back, unfortunately, with some more stories from about murders of people from the Black community. And we really wanted to talk specifically about Breonna Taylor. So, yeah, as we record this, it's the end of May um, and our hearts have been really shredded to see the continued violence and murder of the Black community. And there are so many incidents that it it seems... Never ending, but one in particular we did want to discuss um, quickly is the murder of Breonna Taylor, who was an EMT essential worker. Breonna and her boyfriend were home on the couch on March 13th when police, with a no knock warrant, came into the home and, after exchanging gunfire, shot and killed Breonna Taylor. Law enforcement was granted that warrant with bad information of a possible drug dealer living and receiving packages in the home, which later we found out that not only did that man not live there, nor had he been there in months, but he was already in jail. Originally, Briona's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, had been charged with attempted murder for shooting one of the officers in the leg, but eventually the charge was dismissed as not only defending of his home, but uh, that he had a license for that weapon.
1: Right. Um, and the story of her death didn't actually make it nationwide until after the murder of Ahmed Aubrey, who was gunned down in South Georgia while on a jog. And many questions have risen as to why her death is not being as loudly talked about as some of the others. And although comparing murder cases seems fairly insensitive, and please understand, there's no good and there and all of this deserves all of the attention. Um Many, including her family, are asking what makes her case different. Um, And there have been many who speculated because there was no video of her being shot that it didn't engage viewers or the community as much. But Brittany Cooper, writer and co-editor of the Crunk Feminist Collection, tweeted recently, quote, I'm thinking this morning of hashtag Breonna Taylor and the comparative lack of outrage about this black woman EMT, an essential worker, being killed in the middle of the pandemic. I'm thinking it's much easier to access our rage over hashtag George Floyd, um, the man who was recently murdered in Minnesota. The killing of a black man by cops, of the threatening of their lives by lying white women, fits the lynching narrative hand in glove. Those brothers were targeted, hunted in a sense, And Black women victims of state violence are seen as the unfortunate collateral damage, on the other hand. And uh, Brittany Cooper goes on in her thread, writing, quote, This is why you need Black feminist theorists, because the gender thing here is about public space as typically seen as domain for men, but not Black men. And how private space, and I would interject something like homes and et cetera, is seen as the domain of women, but not Black women. So I think she definitely hits on to some of the questions of why does this look different? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Sandra Bland came into the conversation as well, which there was also videotape and, and her unfortunate death mm-hmm. not too long ago. And the conversation is, what is the difference in buildup? Um, and that kind of territorial idea about space and where they belong does have a big conversation of why we need, first of all, intersectional feminism but why we mm-hmm. need to take the lead of black women and black feminists in this time
0: absolutely um now we're going to talk about a few. COVID-related things, starting with one that my phone loves updating me about every day. (laughs) Uh, Women leaders during the time of the pandemic, are they better? As the pandemic continues to affect the lives of people all around the world, we see what a difference leadership can have. Oh, yes, we do. Specifically, women-led nations. Just this month, again, it's the end of May, New Zealand was able to say that they had no current hospitalizations for COVID-19 and has not had any new cases in the last few days. Wow. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has been highly praised for her active persistence in containing the virus. And also, FYI, uh, about two years ago, uh, Spinty did a whole episode on Jacinda Ardern. So go check that out if you'd like. And also, she was holding a press conference recently in which an earthquake occurred. And (laughs) she's just
1: chilling. She's just chilling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No worries. (laughs) I think it's fantastic. Um, And as one, I saw a tweet today that said... uh, New Zealand didn't just flatten the curve, they crushed it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was, yes, yes. And honestly, she is not the only one. Many of the female-led countries have been able to better contain the virus than others. Countries like Germany, with leader Angela Merkel, was able to fast-track testing, and it has one of the highest numbers of testing and turnaround in the world, honestly. And we have Taiwan's president, Tsai Ing-wen, who, with her VP, has been able to place travel restrictions as well as health checks very quickly, and it should be noted, in a population of 23 million people, they have had less than 500
0: cases and under 10 deaths. Yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of um arguments about why this is and how much we can uh, extrapolate, especially because there's sort of a low pool number to choose from because there are less female leaders around the world. Um, and it's arguments have also been made that it's not necessarily that women are better leaders, although headlines do indicate that calm reactions slash pro-actions are big factors, but that men are having to prove their strength and leadership and have to look tough and strong while women aren't under the same pressure and are being seen as more compassionate and understanding as opposed to the no-questions-asked authoritarian method.
1: Right, and some even speculate that it could actually be harmful To place such expectations on female leaders, um, as quoted from an article written in Vox where they quoted Kelly Dittmar, a professor of political science at the Center of American Women in Politics, quote, Making the generalization that women are always better at handling crises like the coronavirus runs the risk of essentially setting a trap for female leaders. They're expected to perform better than men, so when they do well, it's just business as usual and when they do run into trouble whether it's with the pandemic or some other challenge the criticism of them might be greater and Ditmar said again because the expectation set is that they're supposed to be better than the guys which we've actually discussed previously in many episodes that the bars are so much higher with expectations that women can do this and so therefore they just move on instead of crediting the fact oh this is a big deal
0: right yeah yeah it is Um, and finally we wanted to give a huge shout out to Costa Rica, which has become the first Central American country to legalize same sex marriages. Yay! Yay! Costa Rica has become the 28th UN member state to recognize same sex marriages. And though a celebration for this wonderful moment had to be postponed, they were able to broadcast the union of brides Alexandra Quiros and Dunia Aria. So, congratulations to them and to Costa Rica! Yay! Yay! So, ended on a positive note.
1: We try to add good things. Yes. Um, as with the horrible things.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, we try to give a little taste so it's not overwhelming. <laughs> um and if we missed any good things yes. or any things at all, please let us know. You can email us at Steph Media Stuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff podcast or on Instagram at Steph Mom Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks, Andrew, and thanks to you for listening. Stuff Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.